0: am so full of thankfulness this morning um, and part of that thankfulness is for you Tom and for the leadership team here um, at STC and for the way in which you have so clearly aligned this church as a key planting and grafting partner to the diocese. Um, it really um, gives me hope for the um, coming years so thank you ever so much. Um, can I just before I get into what I want to say can I just get Nick to come and join me at the front and can he, borrow, can he have your hand hold? I know you're very possessive about that microphone, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> sing. Uh,
1: sing, sing. Uh, so, you want Nick, to sing?
0: My, my understanding is that this week is a kind of sending week, and next week there's going to be a kind of receiving week at um, Christchurch Stannington. Um, and you've been licensed a couple of months now. Um, if in the course of the coming week, between this Sunday and next Sunday, we happen to think of you... Um, and of this graph team and of uh, the prospect of the receiving service um, next Sunday. Um, how would you like us to pray? Um, what, In the course of the past two months, what's excited you? What, what quickens your pulse at the prospect of what's in store? Um, and are there, um, are there risks? Um, are there pitfalls which you're keen to avoid?
1: yes thank you um yeah thank you for inviting me up and um yeah i just want to echo as well what you said before about i'm i'm also super thankful obviously for what sdc is doing taking this um bold step of sending you know some of your best people i think a bit of money as well and um no just really really grateful i think i think we feel that christchurch the sacrifice that's being made here and obviously then an an element of stepping out as well at christchurch so i just want to echo that and say thank you um in terms of praying, um, yeah, if you do think of us at any point to pray, of course, we'd be super grateful for that as well. Really um, appreciate your prayers. Um, I guess there's a whole load of things you could pray. There's three things that we've been praying as a church and I've been asking the Graph Group to pray as well. One is um, that, we'd be, uh, uh, that, G- that God would teach us to seek his presence and his strength in everything that we do. Um, I think we recognize that this is beyond ourselves, myself included, graph group, church, this is new for all of us and, and, and I think beyond us. And so we need God's presence. We need his strength, his empowering. Um, second thing we've been praying is that he would shine his light in us. Um, Jesus talks about us being, us being the light of the world. He's the light of the world. We're kind of comfortable with that. But then he says, you're the light of the world. Wow, okay, we're the light of the world. How are we going to shine that in Stannington? And um, we need him to, to do that. So asking him to increase that sense of his light, his presence in us and through us. And then, um, and then praying for the fruit of the Spirit as well has been the other thing that we've all been praying for and thinking about what's the, the one fruit or, you know, two fruit that we really need him to grow in us in order to do this well. Uh, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, lots of self-control, everyone's favorite, lots of, um, lots of things there that we really need from God. So, I mean, that would be a great start if you'd pray for that. Um, and then, yeah, I think you asked about sort of hopes and, and risks and things. Yeah, I mean, I'm really hopeful for what's going to happen. I think, um, I think it's going to bring a huge boost to Christchurch having this group. And, and Christchurch are really excited and recognize that too. So just, um, just really we want to see people come to faith. It's probably that simple for me. It boils down to I want to see new disciples made in Stannington. I think we all want that, don't we? But we want to see his kingdom come in all kinds of ways in that community as well. So, um, yeah, lots of hopes. That will be at the heart of it. People coming to know Jesus, his kingdom coming in Stannington. And then, um, yeah, there's obviously going to be a lot of challenges as well big group of people coming, um, and, and you know that's going to be a big thing for the church there already. Um, and these guys, obviously, leaving everything, you know the community they've known. You know, some of them, for decades, we've heard Johnny came when he was one year old. One year old, he's been here 20 years, a wee bear, and he came. So, so it's going to be a massive change for the graft group, and, and actually for the kids as well. And I appreciate, um, um, I think it was you, Bishop, who mentioned the, the children earlier, and, and the fact that that's going to be a massive change for them, and it is. So please do pray, especially for... For the kids, so yeah, plenty of challenges um, ahead as well. But I think yeah, still we're all really hopeful. So I've rambled a bit, but I don't know if that answers your questions.
0: Thank you. I'm going to pray for Nick right now and for the um, prospect of what's to come. And uh, Lord, thank you for Nick, for Emily, uh, for the leadership that they will bring um, to Christchurch Church, Stannington, over the coming months and years. Uh, you've heard all that Nick has said. Uh, those things for which he's been asking um, the church in Stannington, the graph team, to pray uh, for. Uh, your strength and presence for, um, uh, for that uh, church to be a light to the community in Stannington, uh, for the growth of the fruit of the Spirit in the lives of each, uh, each one. Uh, and I pray that the fruitfulness of this graft will exceed uh, even their greatest hopes. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I thought everyone got, automatically got a round of applause in this <laughs> church. Okay, hear the word of the Lord. The eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's the last verses of Matthew's uh, gospel, and I want to explore what they might mean this morning for this church, for the church at Christ Church, Stannington, for uh, the Diocese of Sheffield as a whole. Um, So, some years ago, when um, uh, Kathy, my wife, and I first moved to um, Sheffield, my younger son, also called Tom, passed his driving test uh, at the second time of asking. Uh, And he'd begun learning about nine months um, earlier, partly by taking lessons with a professional trainer, uh, but partly by going out regularly in our family car with either Kathy or me, In the passenger seat, and if I had hair, it would have been hair raising. Uh, He would stall the car on the roundabout. Uh, He would fail at hill starts, which are pretty much requisite at every single junction in West Sheffield. Uh, Or he'd drift too close to parked cars at the side of the road, which are also an occupational hazard in the narrow streets of. At Sheffield. But as a matter of fact, he never had a scratch or a bump, and gradually his standard improved, so that Kathy and I grew more relaxed at the prospect of going out with him, and towards the end, we, we kind of sensed that he was ready to take his test. But passing the test was just a beginning. Afterwards, though he was a qualified driver. He was still a beginner, still inexperienced. He'd not got to grips with motorway driving. He'd never driven an automatic. He'd never driven on the right hand side of the road in another country. So he still had lots to discover. And it would have been a disaster if he had stopped learning to drive on the day he passed his test. And this is true in every field of life, and you know it. The most gifted and dedicated people go on and on and on learning. Writers and musicians and photographers and gardeners and cooks and carpenters and artists and actors, all of them know the value of lifelong learning. And so, of course, do Christians. Like passing a driving test, baptism, say, isn't supposed to be anything like the end of our learning as followers of the Lord Jesus, just the beginning. But now think about Tom's driving instructor for a moment. He came highly recommended in Sheffield. In fact, he taught the son of our former diocesan secretary to drive. His reviews were outstanding and indeed he was an excellent instructor. But once upon a time, he was a learner driver too. Once upon a time, he did not know his clutch from his brake, from his accelerator. Once upon a time, he was the one stalling the car at the most inopportune moment. But now, he's not just an accomplished driver himself. He is an accomplished trainer of drivers. What I want to do for the next 15 minutes or so is to home in on those verses we heard in our Bible reading a moment ago from the end of the Gospel of Matthew. I want to home in on what is sometimes called the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus, and I want to ask what it means for this church, what it means for Stannington, what it means for the Diocese of Sheffield. But I'm going to skip over the fact that those 12 disciples went to Galilee as Jesus had directed him and encountered the risen Lord there. I'm going to skip over the fact that Matthew, ever the truth teller, tells us that when they met with the risen, risen Lord, although many at once worshipped, some doubted or hesitated. I'm going to skip over those bits because I want to home in on what Jesus said next. It's just 62 words in the English translation I just read, a little less than that in the original Greek, so you could squeeze most of this into a couple of tweets. Three sentences, but it is the punchline to the whole Gospel of Matthew, and its impact on history has been extraordinary, perhaps more than any other single passage of Scripture It's these verses which have launched the Church of Jesus Christ nearly 2,000 years ago and nearly 2,000 miles away on the adventure, which would see communities of Jesus followers, Christian congregations, planted in every nation under heaven, including the ones which were established on these islands within 250 years of the resurrection of Jesus. If the church of Jesus Christ is today a worldwide planting and grafting movement, a truly global missionary presence, then this short speech by Jesus, among the shortest of his speeches in the Gospel of Matthew, is one important reason for it. So forgive me if I go grammatical on you for just a moment. You'll have to bear with me for a second or two if you can. Those words of Jesus are three sentences. They are an assertion, they are an instruction, and they are a promise. First, Jesus claims all authority. All authority is given to me. Then he sends his followers out in mission, and finally he assures them that he will be with them. Surely I will be with you even to the end of the age. So it's in the middle sentence that I want to direct your Uh, attention and in the translation I read it sounds like the key word is the first word go the translation makes it sound like that is a command the root of all that follows and those of you who know your bibles well can think of a dozen other places where God says to people or the risen Jesus says to people go God told Abraham go Moses go Joshua Gideon David go Elijah go Go, God said to them, and he gave them a mission to perform. In the time of his earthly ministry, Jesus said, go. He told the 12 and the 70 to go. He told the hemorrhaging woman and the Samaritan leper and blind Bartimaeus and the rich young ruler, go. The risen Lord Jesus said to the women at the tomb, go. Mary Magdalene, in particular, go. The apostle Paul heard Jesus say, go. Jesus told them to go, go and he gave them a mission. So it wouldn't be a surprise if the key word in our passage was a command to the eleven to go and to take the gospel to the nations. We're certainly thanking God this morning that Nick and Emily and others of you among the graft team have heard the Lord saying to you, go. But as a matter of fact... In the original Greek behind our English translation, the only command in these verses is the command to make disciples. Literally, the Greek says something like this: Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Going, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them and teaching them. It's not that the going is not important. In fact, the going is pretty much taken for granted. But the command is to make disciples. That is the great commission the risen Lord Jesus gave to his disciples. That's the great commission we neglect at our peril. Arguably, that is the great commission the Church of England has been neglecting at its peril for most of the past 200 years. So who are the ones instructed by Jesus to make disciples? Well, this is how it began. The 11 disciples went to Galilee. It's disciples who are told by Jesus to make disciples. And I can't emphasize this strongly enough. Right at the heart of the calling to be a disciple, a learner of the Lord Jesus, is the responsibility that each one of us here bears to make and nurture other new disciples. Disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you share with the community of Jesus' disciples the responsibility for making and nurturing new disciples. The disciples are commissioned to make new disciples, to reproduce themselves so that others can follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus just as we follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before us. As a learner, you are called to make new learners who will in turn themselves make new learners of the Lord Jesus. And Nick and Tom, I know that this is really close to the heart of your sense of why God has called you into ordained ministry. So how do you make disciples? Well, according to Jesus, above all in two ways, baptizing and teaching. Baptizing is a once-for-all action It creates a line in the sand that people have to cross with a before and an after. To be baptised is to be initiated into the community of Jesus' disciples. And baptism is given its full dignity by Jesus here. Baptised in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So just give me a show of hands if you have been baptised. Just have a look around. Hardly, surprisingly, that is almost everybody sat in the building. Put your hands down. And please don't be embarrassed if you have not put your hand up because you are not baptised. It's possible that you are the most important person in the building this morning because the church of the baptised only exists to serve those who are not baptised. So you of all people are most welcome in this place this morning. So, second question could you put your hand up if you've been baptised twice? Just have a look round. So some hands in the air. Um, I rather expected that that would be and I'm willing to have a go at um, guessing your backstory uh, if your hand has gone up a second time um, and afterwards over coffee you can tell me how wrong I am. Uh, My guess would be that you were baptised in infancy or as a child but then later again when your faith came fully alive and you knew that you wanted to align yourself with Jesus Christ and for that to be the definitive thing about you and you wanted to express it by undertaking the responsibilities of baptism for yourself. And if that's, if that's true, then you are the exception that proves the rule that baptism is a once-for-all thing with a before and after, a definite line that we cross. But baptism alone is not sufficient to make disciples. There are many, many people in this nation who have been baptised, but who, to our shame, have not been nurtured in discipleship and following of the Lord Jesus. And for that, teaching is also required. Of course it is, because the root of the word disciple is learner, and learning implies teaching. And please don't misunderstand, Jesus did not to say baptising and lecturing. The kind of teaching Jesus has in mind is not classroom lecturing, or at least not just classroom lecturing. The teaching that Jesus encourages here is best done most often through role modelling and coaching and mentoring it is the deliberate formation of a new disciple to maturity in the likeness and image of Jesus himself. And if baptizing stresses the once for allness of entering into Christ, then teaching stresses the lifelongness of growing up into maturity in Christ. So, my challenge this morning to each of you afresh to Tom and Nick, but to the members of the church family here at STC and to those members of the graft team who are going to Stannington. First, how's the learning going? The learning which is essential to your life as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. How is your own lifelong learning after the Lord Jesus going? How are you investing in your own growth to maturity, your own formation into a greater and greater likeness to the Lord Jesus Himself. What are you doing to promote your own growth to maturity in Christ? But then, secondly, and on top of that, as you are becoming more and more fully a disciple of the Lord Jesus yourself, how are you helping others to become disciples too? The acid test, I believe of the graft, the graft, the graft, the graft, the acid test of it is whether it will multiply new disciples in Stannington. But also, as a matter of fact, whether the new space, the new headroom that it creates here will allow the making of new disciples and more mature disciples here too. This is why I am in the end so committed to planting and grafting as an agent of revitalization under God for the Diocese of Sheffield. It's because it creates momentum for disciple making, not only in the receiving church, but in the sending church too. Now, I'm going to stop. Uh, for over a decade, uh, the Diocese of Sheffield has stated its vision. Uh, in these words the diocese of sheffield is called to grow a sustainable network of christ-like lively and diverse christian communities in every place which are effective in making disciples and in seeking to transform our society and god's world our goal is nothing less than the transformation of our society and god's world We love this city. But to achieve that, we need to make disciples. We need to mobilize the whole people of God for the whole mission of God. We need to release every baptized Christian into the full dignity of their baptismal vocation so that each one can shine as a light in the world to the glory of God the Father. That, to me, is the key to the effective flourishing of every local church congregation and certainly the key to the flourishing of the Diocese of Sheffield I serve. As we pursue that vision we are really grateful to the commitment both here and in Stannington to the business of making disciples and it is for that reason that I am praying for the outpouring of God's richest blessing on both church families Because I do believe, by the grace of God, in both places, the best is yet to be. So here again, the words of our Lord Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Going, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And remember, I am with you to the very end of the age. Amen.